welcome to The Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where we share interesting stories and strategies from across our district. I'm Connor Rogers. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Trey. Hey, Connor. How are you, sir? Oh, I am just fired up today, which is not the same as being excited. Um, so right. I'm fired up. We've got a, we a great new guest that we're going to have on. And really, I'm fired up because I want to talk to you about hmm. your, it's now 2021. And Finally. so you've done a year of Celebrate Every Day. So what's that I been did. like? Oh my gosh. First of all, yes, it's finally 2021. Uh, 2020 is over and everything's better. Um, no, but, uh, it's good. Uh, yeah, the celebrate every day thing that I was doing, it was, you know, celebrating these silly little national holidays, national popcorn day and national juggling day or whatever. Um, so for every day, uh, throughout the year of 2020, I found a silly holiday to celebrate and I did it and I put it on Instagram. Um, little did I know January 1st, 2020, what the rest of the year would have in store for all of us. Um, so it probably wasn't the best year to do it, but you know, if I could do it then, then, you know, I could do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad it's over. It's a little bittersweet. Um, right. I, I have more free time. I don't have to worry about okay, six o'clock. I gotta go eat a tamale or something, which <laughs> actually sounds pretty great, but you know, like that specific thing that I have to do and I have four hours to do it in, uh, that pressure being lifted is nice. Um, but it's a little bittersweet. I kind of miss waking up every morning and figuring out what the days are and posting the thing. And then mm-hmm. people responding like, Oh, I did this too. Or what does that day even mean? Like there's, there's, I, I miss it a little bit, but it's, it is definitely a, a weight lifted to be mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, what I, my favorite part about it is you did a, we didn't start the fire parody or spoof or whatever you want to call it, but a song yeah. where you go through every single day that you celebrated. My, my magnum opus of the year. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, uh, I, I told him this idea like mid November and he was like, he's a musician. He actually, he's the one who did the, the theme song, the bolt podcast theme song. Uh, his name's Cole Reiser, Reisner. Wow. Cole Reisner, go follow him and listen to his stuff. He's really good, but he helped me with the music. All the music was, you know, completely original. I mean, obviously it's Billy Joel's music, but he built it from scratch and did this instrumental track. Uh, Manolo actually helped edit the video. I say helped. He did it. He did all of it. I was just like, can you make that longer? Can you do that small? I don't know, whatever. Real nitpicky as I tend to be. Um, but yeah, it took a, a, about a month and a half to write all original lyrics. Uh, it took all of my courage to actually sing it, which was nerve wracking. Um, and it, yeah, it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of that I've ever done, but it's, uh, it's kind of silly. And, uh, but it was good. It was fun. Um, yeah, no, it, I, I admire you for, because like, at, there must've been some point like in March, maybe like you were like, I'm just going to scrap this. I'm not going to do it anymore. Like there's, there were probably like, were these points so where times. you could have taken that exit on the, off the highway, but you, you stayed the course. So many times I wanted to throw in the towel, but then you get to a certain point and it's like, well, it's July and I've already done it this long. If I quit now, okay, it's August, like only, you know, three more months. Um, anyway, uh, four more months, but yeah, it was, it was, it was intense. Very great. Um, okay. Um, well, I am excited for our next guest. Um, this is huge. This is huge. I mean, we, we've had some, some top famous people on here, you know, um, you know, Steve Barkley, Kerry Conover, right. But we've booked pocket full of primary. Like that's right. That's right, folks. So, yeah. so I don't think she needs an introduction. So we're just going to go right into our interview with pocket full of primary. You ready? 
I, I really am. And make sure you stick around to the end when she when she tells all the ways you can follow her and find her because she's doing a lot and it's it's really cool stuff. And I know a lot of our teachers already follow her, mm-hmm. um, but if you don't already, you're, you're missing out because she's got some great stuff. So yeah, let's get into it. Welcome to our guest, uh, Michelle. Thank you so much from Pocketful of Primary. We are so, so, so excited to have you on the Bolt Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, so we just want to jump right in and um, just tell us all about Pocketful of Primary. Tell us how you got started. Tell us some of your story. So Pocketful of Primary is my internet alias because my mom always told me not to meet strangers on the internet. <laughs> uh, essentially, when I was a first year teacher, I had two main problems. Problem number one, I was obsessed with teaching and quickly realized my friends and family (laughs) did not care about my life as a teacher as much as I thought that they would. So I needed an outlet. I needed a place to be able to get all of these teacher related thoughts from inside of my head out into the world. Problem number two, I was broke. (laughs) So obviously, as a first year teacher, your salary tends to not be very high. You're straight out of college. You've got debt and everything else. So I remedied this by essentially establishing my own business, because what else are you supposed to do your first year of teaching? You know, that makes total sense. I started initially with an Instagram account. I just wanted a place to be able to share pictures, be able to share my ideas through the captions. And then I quickly realized I was developing all of these resources for my classroom. And I realized if I needed them, I guarantee you there's other teachers out there as well. And since I'm putting in the time and the energy to make them, I could sell those to other teachers to be able to supplement my income. So I started the Instagram. I started a teacher's pay teacher store in order to sell my resources around the same time. It was in the spring of my first year of teaching. Fast forward about two years, I was not satisfied with Instagram captions. I was writing these lengthy captions, which at the time was not the cool thing to do on Instagram. People wanted, you know, short and sweet, like here's my dog and that was it. So I decided to venture into YouTube. I actually had a YouTube channel when I was in college. It was fitness related, horrible. Do not go back and look it up because you will regret it instantly. But I realized that creating videos made it a lot easier for me to really articulate my teaching ideas. And it just gave me another outlet to be able to share. And I quickly started gaining an audience way bigger than I ever thought. And so now it's blossomed into literally its own side business in addition to teaching full-time in the classroom. So follow-up question, the name Pocketful of Primary, does it have any connection to Pocketful of Sunshine by Natasha Bedingfield? No. However, my husband will sing it to me all the time. He's like, I got a pocket, got a pocket full of primary. Like it's become a thing. That was not the original goal. I came up with the name when I was in the shower because I've always loved alliterations and I liked primary because at the time I was teaching primary grades. And so I was like, okay, what would go with primary? What would go with primary? And I literally just came up, I was like, oh, pocket, pocket full. Okay, that works. And it just kind of stuck. And now I no longer teach primary. So it makes no (laughs) sense anymore. (laughs) Well, first of all, all best ideas uh, come in the shower. I don't know why that is, but also you said you were broke. So at least you had a pocket full of something, you know? Right, right. And what better than to have a pocket full of then primary teaching. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so thinking about like you mentioned kind of how 
you know, Instagram and you want to do more than the captions, what were kind of, as you like in those early years, I guess, of Pocketful Primary, like what were some of your initial things you like lessons you had to learn early on or maybe something you struggled with, but now you've gotten way better at? Ironically, what I struggle with at the beginning is what I still struggle with, and that is a lack of time. As we know, teachers are incredibly busy, and as someone who continually adds things to my plate, I struggle with wanting to be able to do all the things and realizing that I can't. When I first started, just balancing Instagram wasn't that difficult, but you throw in those resource creations and that's a lot more work because creating something to sell to other teachers is a lot more involved than just creating it to use with my own students, right? You have to create directions and like a tutorial video and you have to package it all together with a cover and you have to make thumbnail images. Like that was a lot. Then you throw in YouTube and that's a whole nother beast. I did not realize how much work went into YouTube until I got into it myself. You see these quote unquote YouTubers and you're like, oh, that must be nice. You film a video and, you know, put it up for the Internet to see and make money. But what you don't see is behind the scenes. You spend a couple of hours preparing for the video, making sure that you have all your ducks in a row. You've kind of outlined what you're going to discuss. You have to actually record the video, which at the time I was living in this tiny apartment. So I had to like haul all of my equipment out and I didn't have lights. So I could only do it when the sun was up and I had to try to get the recording done before the sunset. Like it was crazy. Then you spend several hours editing the video and writing the description and creating the thumbnail. So realizing that this, as much as I loved what I was doing, it was a lot more time consuming than I thought it would be. And honestly, that hasn't gone away, but I've realized I can do anything, but I can't do everything. So trying to figure out like, where is my time best spent and what is really going to move my business forward? Because as much as I would love to sit and scroll through Instagram and, you know, be commenting on other people's posts, like my time would probably be better spent, like creating another video that I can share out or responding to emails. So just learning that I can say no to things. I don't have to do everything. And I can really just focus on the things that are going to help move the needle on my business. I've also heard from a lot of podcasters that I listen to that also have YouTube that there's a lot going into just presenting it and making sure like your thumbnail is engaging and that you're using the right keywords and all that other stuff that I wouldn't even conceive going into making a successful YouTube channel. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm not the best at all that like SEO search Mm -hmm. engine optimization. Haven't really put a lot of time into that. I probably should. But again, my time is limited and what I'm doing is obviously working. And it's always funny when people ask me, they're like, yeah, but how did you grow? And I'm like, I, I was just me. And I shared what I would want to hear as a teacher. And I was authentic to myself. I'm not putting on this, you know, show for people. It's not about trying to create the clickbait, you know, title in order to get people to watch. Like the reason people continuously come back to my channel is because they know I'm putting out quality content. And there's that element of they just like who I am as a person, which is bizarre to me because I was never that outgoing person. And people assume, oh, you have a YouTube channel. You must be super outgoing. I'm like, I'm probably one of the most introverted people you would ever meet. And sitting down and talking to a camera is totally different than talking with a group of people. And so I kind of like that I get to kind of express myself in that way without having the intimidation of like dealing with other people. But I think there is a lot more to it than people even realize. For sure. That makes total sense. Yeah. Well, um, but see, Trey, you said like, oh, I don't know about the tags, like, but you go through and like tag our episodes for the podcast. 
I mean, I, I worry about the description. I honestly, as you said, I could probably do a lot more than that um, uh, than, than we're doing to make it better. So if we're not any better, it's probably my fault. <laughs> no, but like, but it's it to me, it's like, um, it's like the same thing. Like it's just more work now because there's that visual component, right? Like you said, the thumbnail. And I've even known like some YouTubers who are like, I plan out different outfits for different videos. And I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I don't. Well, that's been one of my tricks is batching. So when I first started, first of all, I had too much on my plate. I could never plan ahead. So I was literally recording and editing every video week by week by week. And I quickly realized, oh, if I plan out four videos and sit down and record them all at once, that means I only have to get my equipment set up once. And yes, I run off camera and change shirts so that it looks like I've recorded this on four different days when in reality, it was just one marathon day of recording four videos at once, but it does end up saving time. So those little tips and tricks have kind of helped be able to create that better balance of teaching and doing these other things. Brilliant. Well, that's pretty funny. I never would have known <laughs> looking at your videos. <laughs> yeah, don't don't let other people in on that secret. But then you forget um, to, you forget to take like your lunch out of the back of your shot. So people are like, well, she changes clothes a lot, but I think she eats the same thing every single day. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although I do eat the same thing every day. So I've got that going for me. <laughs> okay. So we kind of touched on this earlier, but like who would you say is your your primary audience for for Pocket Pull of Primary? primary, see what you did there. Uh, mm -hmm. For the most part, it's new teachers. It's teachers who are either still in college or are fresh out of college. And they want that realistic view of education. Because I think when we're in college, we have this idea of what we think it will be like to be a teacher. And I think one of the main reasons that so many teachers leave the classroom within their first five years of teaching is because they get into it and realize, oh, there's a lot more to this than I even imagine there being. So my big mission through what I do is to be able to give this realistic view of what teaching is really like. You know, I still love it, but there's things that, you know, teachers need to be prepared for. But I also have this segment of veteran teachers, especially veteran teachers who maybe are lacking that inspiration that they once had when they started teaching. They're kind of, you know, at that point where they're like, oh, I'm, I'm so over this. And I think them being able to hear these new fresh ideas and be able to get help with some of the new technology, especially now, they've really latched onto my channel as well because they, I feel like I kind of give them this new energy that they maybe have lost over the years. Yeah, that is it breaks my heart when I hear about teachers leaving the profession with in under five years. And, and one of my favorite groups of people to coach is those two people is the brand new teachers and Tracy me do it in the summer. Like I love having all the new teachers and they're just like super excited to have their first teaching job. And then you even get some people, especially now what's really interesting is like the veteran teachers who've totally changed things up with the virtual teaching and they're loving it. And they're like, I learned so much and it, I never would have learned if it wasn't for this pandemic. So it's really neat to see those kind of two groups of teachers really open to new learning and take things and run with them. Yeah, I agree. And I think those are the two groups that need the most help because the new teachers just need experience that they don't have yet. And the veteran teachers need that help with the new that they're not used to. Also, I'd like to say that I have some insight on to your audience is uh, is our teachers come to find out um, when I look you up on Instagram, I see a bunch of people that, you know, I'm friends with that follow you as well. <laughs> That's funny. So, Connor, get ready for our like probably highest listenership ever of the bold. Um, 
I'm I'm excited. Um, because <laughs> well, Trey screenshotted me a text with somebody, and it was like, "Hey, Trey, you want to just tell the story?" Yeah, so I said, "I said, uh, hey, are you familiar with Pocketful of Primary?" Because I knew I had, before Connor found you, I knew I had seen you know your posts and videos and stuff reshared on you know friends of mine's Instagram. So I knew it was it was somebody, and so I reached out and I was like, "Have you heard of Pocketful of Primary?" And they're like, "No way." They told another teacher, and we're like, "Are you kidding me?" So, um, so you're you're kind of a celebrity around here. <laughs> oh, I don't like that word, but <laughs> I mean. Uh, Respected professional. Yes, there we go. That works much better. <laughs> um, okay, so you kind of talked about the beginning of Pocketful Primary and how you kind of first got started. What about, let's say, like a year from now, where do you want Pocketful Primary to be? Honestly, I love what I'm doing now and I want to be able to just keep doing it. I love being able to support new teachers and those veteran teachers. I think if anything, just being able to support them in a more focused way. Um, I have some things under wraps that are coming, so stay tuned. But being able to really support teachers with those things that they didn't learn in college, because, again, I think that's the biggest obstacle facing new teachers is that they're just not adequately adequately prepared for the realities of teaching. And so I want to kind of be able to bridge that gap between here's all that stuff you learned in college. Here's what it's actually going to be like when you get into the classroom and being able to leverage the experiences that I've had in order to help make other teachers' lives easier. Because I think collaboration is a powerful tool and knowing how it was difficult for me when I first started, if I can use that experience to make it easier for someone else, that's what makes me happiest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, if, if anything, like I said, with this pandemic, like it's really forced the, for lack of a better term, like digital collaboration across teachers and like, here's what I'm doing with Google Slides and here has that. And like, it's really, I think there's a lot wider audience now that there even was before. So it's just great to see that collaboration happening. So that's awesome. Um, so I actually want to change gears. And so you kind of talked about your business, but I want to talk about your your teaching experience, which in my opinion, makes you a real hero because any all teachers are heroes. Um, so, so tell us how long you've been in the classroom and, and what you've been teaching and tell us all that stuff. So this is currently my seventh year of teaching. I taught second grade for three years on the Eastern shore of Maryland. And then I moved and switched to fourth grade. And my, this is my fourth year in fourth grade. My experience in fourth grade has been interesting because I've kind of bounced all over the place. When I taught second grade, I was self-contained. I taught all the subject areas as most primary grades are. My fourth grade experience, uh, we are departmentalized. So different teachers teach different subject areas, which I love, by the way. I think it allows teachers to really dive deeply into their subject. And I think that's incredibly important for teachers to have a deep understanding of the content and the curriculum. So within fourth grade, my first year in fourth grade, I taught math, science, and social studies. My second year, I taught just math and science. My third year, I taught math and reading. And then this year, I'm back to math, science, and social studies. So I've kind of been all over the board. And then in addition to teaching fourth grade, I also act as my school's e-coach. So I help support all of the teachers in my building with integrating the educational technology that we have in their instruction. So e-coach stands for electronic coach or what is I, I guess. So we literally just call it e-coach. I don't think it's actually like abbreviated for anything, but it's just, you know, an instructional technology coach. So for us in my current county, it's a classroom teacher who's just supporting the other teachers in their building. So I will do professional development. I will help answer their questions and be able to allow them to integrate those, 
you know, different websites and applications into their instruction. My old county actually had it as a separate position where that's all that that teacher did. And they would travel from school to school, which ironically, when I was there, I loved that. And I was like, oh, I could see myself doing this. And so it's funny how things kind of came full circle. And once I moved, I was able to get um, that extra position. I think it was my second year in fourth grade. They offered me that position um, as well as being the classroom teacher. So you said math, science, reading, social studies, is that right? Yeah. So essentially I've taught all of the subjects within fourth grade, just in different combinations. Uh, But every year I've been teaching math, like that's my core subject area. And that's what I minored in in college as well. Well, That was going to be my my question was, are you allowed to pick a favorite or which one do you prefer? So it's, is it math? Definitely math. Um, I love reading aloud to my students, but I don't love teaching reading. And I think Honestly, it's because I never had a reading teacher who I felt was really that great growing up. Like for me, reading was always very boring because I didn't get to read the books that I enjoyed. I didn't enjoy the way that we had to go about it. It always felt like work. And what I love about math is that there's so many different strategies and students can find the way that works for them. And and I love that math is the same in every country. And so throughout my teaching experience, I've dealt with students coming from other countries and they struggled with reading but like when it came to math they knew exactly what to do because it's the same everywhere and so for me like I've always just loved that aspect of it that's awesome now did you intentionally quote mean girls or did you just land there wait where when did I quote mean girls math is the same in every country or it's like math is the same in every language I think I'm like I'm 90% positive that's a mean girls quote right Trey you want to back me up it sounds familiar I'm Connor's a bit of a mean girl super fan uh (laughs) <laughs> I am not. Although we did, we did have someone who worked in our district who looked a lot like Regina George, but she was actually a very, very nice person. Um, but that's that's a whole other story. But you, okay, so the coaching thing, I did not know, and my eyes probably lit up what you saw over the Zoom call, um, because you know me, instructional coaching, I love supporting teachers. So I want to go in a different direction now and just tell me, like, what is one thing you love about supporting teachers through the coaching position? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, it, it, so many of us go into teaching because of the ability to make an impact, right? So I can impact, you know, 35 kids every single year that I teach. And that's powerful. What I love about helping other teachers is that that impact multiplies. If I can help five teachers and then they're all helping the 35 kids in their class, I mean, so it becomes this exponential. It starts to mushroom. And so for me, it's just every teacher I can help, the impact gets that much bigger. And so by a by being able to support all the teachers in my school, I'm in turn essentially impacting all of the students in my school. And I just love that. It makes my my time and energy that much more powerful. There's that math again. Love that. Yeah. Exponential. Love that. <laughs> What'd yeah. you say, Trey? I said, there's that math again. She really does love math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She used the word exponential, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm I'm the same way, Michelle. I I love um and actually, it's funny that you say that because that part of coaching was not pointed out to me until it was a teacher I was coaching. And I was like, think about all the impact you have with these students. And she's like, okay, but think about all the impact you have as a coach with all these, like that affects all those students. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> the files are in the computer. <laughs> um, no, that's great. That's that's really great. Um, so do you, do you think... Uh, you'll stay in like a coaching and teaching hybrid position or do you eventually want to do all coaching or just do more teaching stuff or what do you think long-term? 
I've realized <laughs> to never turn down like thinking back when I taught second grade I loved second grade and I said I don't want to teach any other grade and when I got the position in fourth grade honestly I was terrified I was like I don't want to teach upper elementary and once I got into it I loved it so much more so I've realized sometimes you need to go in a different direction than you originally saw your saw yeah originally saw yourself going in <laughs> and so I'm not going to say you know that I I want to stay in the classroom or I want to pursue coaching I will say that one thing that has always interested me is working with teachers in college, those pre-service teachers. So being able to teach teachers. And again, I think a lot of, and this might come off the wrong way, but I, from my experience in college, a lot of the professors had never been classroom teachers, right? They, they went straight from being in college themselves to getting their doctorate and then teaching at a university level. And that's great, but I would love to be able to bring that classroom experience to those pre-service teachers and be able to say, look, I was in your shoes. Here's what it's actually like. Um, I think that that's something that would interest me, but I also love what I do in the classroom and I love supporting teachers from a instructional technology coaching position as well. Yeah, there is a great need for quality new teacher preparation programs. And there are some great ones out there, right? But th but having someone like you, like with who have real classroom experience and I always love, so we do this new teacher summer training thing and I always love getting the surveys back because there's so many teachers who are like, oh my gosh, this is great. And we even do it. So it's anyone who's new to the district. So even if they've taught, you know, for five years before they come to us and they're like, best PD I've ever been to. And it's just great because you're like, yeah, like we're doing something right. We're supporting teachers, giving them practical professional development. That's great. Um, so yes, I, whatever coaching PD you're doing, like sign me up. I'm there <laughs> and I'm sending all my teachers too. <laughs> all right. So one thing, you know, about our podcast is we like, we love a good teacher story. It can be a funny story, a heartwarming story. So, uh, Michelle, do you have a, do you have a funny or heartwarming classroom story you'd like to share with us? I'm going to go the funny route because I'm a person that likes to laugh and I like to make others laugh. So my second year of teaching, my particular group of students really struggled with calling out. So I was teaching second grade, you know, they'd come up to the carpet and in the middle of my lesson, they're like blurting out things. And I'm like, okay, we got to work on this. So at the time I created something that I referred to as blurt beans. It essentially was a jar of, of beans, like real physical beans went to the store, you know, 99 cents. Again, I was broke at this time. And when my students would come up to the carpet, I would hand them a bean and they had to hold it in their hand. If they lost their bean, too bad, so sad. If they did not call out at all or they did not blurt out, they got to add their bean to the reward jar. And once it got up to a certain level, they got a class reward. If they blurted, they had to give me their bean. And it was going fantastic <laughs> until one day I'm in the middle of a lesson, you know, really in a groove. And all of a sudden I hear, uh oh, and I'm like, OK, kids holding a bean where? OK, what do you mean? Uh oh, he goes, it's stuck. I'm like. I don't even have to ask what's stuck. I know it's the bean. It's really a matter of <laughs> where is the bean oh, no. stuck? So I said, um, just clarifying what's stuck, the bean. Okay, all right. Uh, where is the bean stuck? In my ear. I said, okay. I knew there were a couple of options. Honestly, maybe a better option than some other places. So I'll take it. So immediately I'm like, okay, he can't actually mean it's stuck, right? Like, it, it, you know, he just can't get to it the right area. I'm going to get up and get this bean out of the kid's ear in two seconds flat. I get up, start trying to get the bean out because that's what teachers do, right? Like grossness aside, you got to do what you got to do. You got to pull out teeth, you know, it's whatever. So I get up trying to pull the bean out of his ear. Thing is not budging. I'm like, all right. So 
at this point, I'm like, I got to send the kid to the nurse, right? Like I, I can't send him home with a bean in his ear. So I sit down to write the nurse pass and it's like, what do I even explain on here? Like kid has bean in his ear. We'll talk later and I'll explain, like, just get it out for now. So I write the nurse pass. And before he goes, I'm like, why were you putting the bean in your ear? And he goes, well, I was doing a magic trick. I'm like, all right. <laughs> that apparently did not go as planned, but makes sense. Like I can totally understand that that's what you were doing. So he goes to the nurse and I just remember the nurse calling me and she's like, got it out. I'm like, cool. She's like, should I put in a baggie for him to take home? I said, yes. I said, I'm going to call his mom. I'm going to explain it. I want there to be evidence. So he goes home, takes a bean. I, you know, talk to mom and explain it. She was not surprised in the least. Like she knows her kid. She's like, yep, this is totally what I expected. Later that night, she sends me an email with a link to a YouTube video. Apparently, there is a song called Beans in My Ears. Look it up. No. It's an actual song. And it's literally what? talking about how, like, I can't hear because I have beans in my ear. So fast forward. That so was he was about not doing a magic trick. Well, I mean, he was doing something. I don't know if it was a magic trick, but fast forward, it's now been six years since that happened. Uh, I still keep in contact with that family. And every year the mom has like the memory that pops up on Facebook and she's like, oh, hey, do you remember when? And to this day, I'm like that. I have that moment ingrained in my head, like literally as if it were a movie. I'm like, that is one of those things I will never forget. <laughs> Well, your student almost had something ingrained in his head. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I just so many questions that like, oh, my God. One, when you were saying it was stuck, my money was on nose. I thought for sure yeah. <laughs> that was where we were going with that story. Um, but yeah, the ear. OK. So did you shift okay. next year? Did you go to something a little bigger like cheese puffs or something? Bullet puffs? Yeah, I think. I, from my memory, we just retired yeah. uh, the beans or I'm pretty sure I just kept tally. So it's like, all right, you all have an imaginary bean. If you blur it out, I'm going to write down your name and I'm just going to count out those beans and put them into, you know, the jar. But it goes back to that whole things that college don't prepare you for. Like you are not ready for that. There's nothing in this world that can prepare you for that. No, <laughs> you're going to have beans in kids ears and you're going to have to get them out or send them to the nurse. Yeah. Yep. Um, Miss my imaginary bean got stuck in my ear too. <laughs> yeah. You're on your own, buddy. Like, what? I can't hear you. I think I have some uh, stuck in my ear yeah. too. Um, uh, Trey, any advice as a former magician or illusionist? I don't know what the correct title is, Trey. Illusionist. Um, do you have any advice for for like a magic trick or if he was trying something? You know what? You always want to pull stuff out of the ear. That was my rule. You know, you always want things coming out of the ear, not going in. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. And well, it's like, uh, what's the movie, The Prestige, right? Any magician can make anything disappear, but it, you got to be able to bring it back, right? Yeah. <laughs> disappear. <laughs> Forget it. I got it. That was, I caught on that one. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, okay, so changing, changing gears. Gears. Um, <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go somewhere completely different. Um, you had mentioned, and I just found this super interesting, uh, that you were like into powerlifting training and one i'm not like a hundred percent sure on what powerlifting training is and i'm pretty sure mr trey isn't either so no. tell us like what is powerlifting and how you got involved in that because that seems really interesting to me so powerlifting focuses on three movements squat 
bench and deadlift. Those are the three power lifts. So in terms of how I got into it, never in a million years did I ever think that that would be me. I was a runner. So when I was in ninth grade, I tried out for cross country, which was a horrible mistake because I had never run a day in my life. You know, like I was not a runner. I threw up on the first day. It was a horrible experience, but I fell in love with it because I stuck with it. I'm not a quitter. And I went on to do indoor track, outdoor track, and I did all three of those every year in high school. Um, I actually transitioned from a distance runner into a sprinter. And I actually hold the record to this day at my high school for the hundred meters. So that's exciting. <laughs> but yes, thank you for the applause that you probably can't hear on the microphone, but just trust me, there was applause there. <laughs> so fast forward to college, I was not competing in track because I actually ended up graduating college a year early. So I was on the three-year track. So I did not have extra time in order to like be on a sports team, but I wanted to continue running. So I decided to start marathon running. Like why not? Right. Like everyone wants to run a marathon makes total sense. Okay. Right. Right. Just go with me on this. So (laughs) I ended up running a marathon. Um, enjoyed it and then said, I'm going to run a marathon in every state. Spoiler did not happen. 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 I did hear that. It was not happen. Not happen. Yeah, that was exciting. It was like the remix of the podcast. Not happen. 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 There's there's your post credits scene right there. Oh, I hope it's recording. All right. I think it's reconnected. We're good. We are good. I'm going to go back. Where we left off because we was know because running of the a marathon echo. in every state, right? And that did not happen. Yes, not happen, yes. not happen, not happen. <laughs> All right. So spoiler alert, that did not end up happening, but I did run a total of five marathons, including the Boston Marathon. And I ended up getting injured. I fractured my shin because I decided I'm going to run every day for a year. I tend to become obsessive with things if you haven't figured that out yet. So I had to shift gears and... At the time, my then boyfriend, now husband and I had started going to the gym and literally we would go in and we would part ways. He would go and lift weights and I would go to the treadmill. And so once I got injured and I was like, okay, I can't run anymore. I need to do something else. He's like, well, why don't you lift weights with me? And I'm like, okay. So I was very intimidated, especially as a female. I know that you all can't necessarily relate to this, but I'm sure any other females listening can. When you go into the gym and you see these like big, like meaty guys lifting weights, it's very intimidating. So I was like, okay, let's just start easy, like with a little machine. So I like did lap pull down and stuff like that and got comfortable. And I will say the more I started doing it, I loved feeling my strength increase. Like that was a very empowering feeling. And then I slowly started getting into the power lift. So I started with deadlift, which is essentially where you have a barbell on the ground, you are lifting it up. Like that's all. And so it's, it's not as intimidating because number one, if you can't lift it, then it's not going anywhere. It's just sitting on the ground. And if you drop it, like you don't have to worry about hitting your feet because, you know, it's not going to reach all the way down to your feet. Like it's not that intimidating. So I started with that really, really loved that feeling of improving on it. Then I started doing squat, which is where the barbells on your back and you're sitting down and standing back up with it. And then eventually I got into benching. That was the most intimidating because you're holding the bar over top of you. And even though someone is there, like, you know, spotting you, it still is very intimidating. So like, if I drop this, I could die right now. (laughs) But the more I got into it, the more I just really 
loved that feeling of getting better and being able to see how it transformed my body was, was a really cool thing. And this past December, I said, you know what, I want to get serious with this. If I'm going to compete, I'm an all or nothing type of person. So I've actually hired a coach and I have a program that I follow and I'm wanting to compete sometime in 2021 um, at an actual meet and be able to see how competitive I can be with it. But if anything, just seeing myself and like my own numbers increase has been very rewarding. Um, I have a couple of questions, but Trey, did you have anything you wanted to jump in with first? Uh, well, I, I do want to say, first of all, that's amazing that, that I like, you're like, I've been doing it for so long and now I want to take it seriously. Going into the gym to me is taking it seriously. So you've already <laughs> surpassed my uh, level of enthusiasm. Also, Con, the last time I lifted weights, Connor was with you. Maybe the only time Did I do any of that. I know I didn't bench, but did I do any of the other two? You, okay. Like so you, you did, know. you did, I don't you know did, what I did. You did squats. <laughs> and then on the chest track where we were benching, you took, you set out to take a phone call. And then yeah, I think I took you a came phone in, call. You, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You came in for the backtrack and you did a deadlift. So, <laughs> Oh, so you did all three of those moves. <laughs> Just one. Yeah. That's about right. That's about um, right. I don't even know if it counted as one. Uh, no, you, you, we do multiple because in body oh, okay. class, it's it's more um, it's lower weight, higher rep. What she's talking about is like, I'm assuming in the competitions, it's like how heavy can you lift, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all about strength. Yeah, that's really cool. And what the biggest thing like that you said, and I'm like, preach is like the best competition in the gym is you versus you. And so seeing your own growth, like, and, and what I love how you phrase it because you started with like you, like, oh, I see those, these are like big meaty guys, but like, that's not a competition. Like the competition is is inside you. And it's, you know, um, so I love that. Teach your self-care. Everyone should have a self-care routine, whether it's yoga, powerlifting, swimming, biking, running, whatever. Like everyone should have something in their life that's their own little slice of, of health and wellness. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm just going to put a plug to any females that are listening because I, I think it's important. I I think a lot of females have this misconception of if I lift weights, I'm going to become bulky. <laughs> and it's like, first of all, that's not how hormones work. Like as a female, your hormones are not going to allow you to get bulky. Like that's not what happens. And honestly, like the confidence that I have gained from growing muscle and gaining strength has been incredible. And going back to that idea, of not comparing yourself to other people. What I love about powerlifting, especially, is it's not about it's not about what your body looks like. It's about what your body can do. And being able, um, I recently was able to hit 2.75 times body weight on deadlift. And like the fact that I'm like, I'm lifting almost three of me off of the ground <laughs> is just a really cool feeling. So if you are out there and you've ever seen, you know, people lifting weights in the gym and you're intimidated, just start a little bit at a time. But I, I really think that if more females tried it, they really would enjoy the way that it, it makes them feel and the confidence that it gives them. Okay. Um, now this is just my own curiosity of those three squats, uh, benching and deadlift, the heaviest weight is probably squats, right? For most people, it tends to be deadlift, okay. um, followed by squat, followed by bench. So okay. like personally, my record, so deadlift, I've deadlifted 320 pounds. Jeez. I've squatted three, six, or 265 and then bench 140. So wow. that's incredible. That's thanks. <laughs> kudos to you. Um, okay. So the deadlift, but, but can't you like throw your back out if you're not careful with your deadlift form? 
you can get injured, but I'll be honest, when I started, I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, it was just, okay, get bar from point A to point B, however I have to do that. Um, and I guarantee you my form was horrible at the beginning. In fact, I go back and look at videos. I'm like, oh, Michelle, what were you doing? But it's not as easy to get injured as people think. Like you have to really do things wrong in order to mess something up. Your form will get better over time. But if you don't know how to do something properly, first of all, there's a YouTube video out there that will teach you guarantee it and ask someone in the gym like ask one of the trainers that's there or if you see someone else doing it like go up and strike a conversation be like hey would you mind showing me how to do this it's intimidating at first but it's you know again once you start to get better at it you're like oh this is really cool Mm -hmm. I, i would agree yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll change up again. And um, I want to you give you a chance to talk about um, where people can find you. Um, you also mentioned you have your own podcast. So kind of kind of your chance to tell us where people can follow you on social media and listen to your podcast. So I'll start with YouTube. Uh, that is probably my main platform. I upload a video every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And my YouTube is just pocket full of primary. So pocket full is all one word. P-O-C-K-E-T-F-U-L. I teach math, not reading. And then of primary, that also is my handle on Instagram. I post fairly frequently on Instagram. I would say that's my second most like popular platform. I also launched a podcast about a year ago. It's called Teaching to the Top. And top stands for time management, organization, and productivity. And I actually do that podcast with my friend Bridget, who is a multi-age teacher in Pennsylvania. She also has a YouTube channel um, called The Lettered Classroom. And we became came friends and started that podcast together. So if you are interested in like, how can I create that better work-life balance, check out Teaching to the Top. And then I also have a Facebook group. It's called Team Teach. And it's a place for teachers, whether you teach elementary, high school, doesn't matter, any state, any country. It's a place for teachers to come together and get that advice and that support and that help and be able to ask questions and and get answers. Um, So it's Team, T-E-A-M, Teach is the name of the group? Correct. So team okay. space teach um, and teach stands for teacher and educator advice, coaching and help. Oh, you're all about the acronyms. I do. I love a good acronym <laughs> and a good alliteration. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Mr. Trey, you ready to take it away? Final four questions? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and get us started. Um, so we're going to uh, kind of gear this towards, you know, you can answer for yourself or from the perspective of pocket full of primary talk about alliteration um (laughs) if pocket full of primary were a fictional character or celebrity who would it be and why okay go with me on this and i'm not just Mm -hmm. picking this person because she's a runner um i'm gonna say wilma rudolph so if you're not familiar with wilma rudolph she was an olympian she was the first american woman to win three gold medals in a single olympics in track and field she was in the 1960 rome olympics but going back and she also was a teacher so that's really cool but (laughs) she actually had polio as a child and she had to wear a leg brace until she was 12 and she was told by doctors that she would never walk again and she went on to be the first american woman to ever get three Olympic gold medals in a single Olympics in track and field, which is phenomenal. And here's my connection to that. I have always known I wanted to go into teaching. My parents knew it from an early age, held school on my front porch, made the neighborhood kids do homework, like true story. And my whole life, my family, as much as I love them, I've always been a high achieving person. And they would always say, but you can do, you can be anything. Like why be a teacher? As if that was like settling, which always kind of bothered me. And the other main thing I heard was, well, 
you're not going to make a lot of money. Like, are you sure you don't want to do something else? You're not going to make a lot of money. And I'm the type of person where if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove to you that you're wrong and that I can. And so when I went into teaching, it was always, well, I want to do this because it's what I feel like I was meant to do. And it's what I love. I will find a way to supplement my income. And so being able to go on and do that to me, I'm like, First of all, ha to all the people out there that doubted me. And it just goes to show you, I, I truly think that having passion for something and being willing to put in the hard work can get you anywhere. So that's my little connection. It might be cheesy, but whatever. <laughs> no, I, that's not cheesy. That's just straight from the heart. And that's awesome. W- Wilma Rudolph, what's her name? Yep. Wilma Rudolph. Okay. Never heard of her, but that I, I want to watch, like if there's a 30 for 30 of her, I want to want to check that out. That sounds super yeah. <laughs> interesting. So she was in a leg brace until she, told she would never walk again. Mm-hmm. And then three gold medals in one Olympics. Yep. Wow. It's incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. And and I think, yeah, like to your point, like when someone tells you you can't do something, you kind of just dig deep and like, oh, really? I'll show yep. you. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next question. Uh, what one thing would you on invent and why? Crocs. <laughs> I hate Crocs. The holes are where your dignity slips out. Like they're just awful. <laughs> and I'm sure there's someone listening who's like, oh, I hate this girl now, but I, I'm sorry. I just can't get down with Crocs. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. Okay. I, real quick. I do want to say there's another podcast I listened to and they started talking about wearing Crocs. They all bought pod, uh, Crocs as like a kind of a joke and then started wearing them and fell in love with them. No. And started- <laughs> And I didn't know this, but apparently those holes where your, would you say your dignity slips out? Yes. <laughs> you could, there's like little decorations and trinkets that you can fill. I did. I had no idea. Crocs have come a long way since, since oh, I'm I, aware uh, of the decorations. That's part of the spite of that I have toward them. Like, why <laughs> would anyone want to do that? Oh yeah. Um, croc culture. You know, what probably could fit through the hole of a croc would Besides be a bean. Your dignity. A bean. <laughs> a bean. <laughs> yeah. Probably. They, they always would, say, never put anything in your ear that you wouldn't put through the hole of a crock. Is that <laughs> it? Yeah, yes. I'm sure people will say that after sure. listening to this. Of course. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is a newer one, um, but uh, aliens are invading Earth, um, and we have to evacuate to a different planet. You have to take three, three albums, and they're going to be a part of New Earth. So what are those three albums going to be? Just to clarify, we're talking about musical albums, correct? Not like albums of photos. Like right. you bring one photo album, but you still get three <laughs> musical photo or three three musical albums. Okay, I was gonna say all my photos are digital anyway. So, um, I am a '90s baby. So for me, I, I want a lot of like nostalgic '90s music. So I would take "Dizzy Up the Girl" by Goo Goo Dolls. Nice. Get that like kind of you know a, uh, alternative rock, if you will. That's also, like Iris Slide. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, Black Balloon. Black I think it's also on there. Sure. Yeah. So it's a good one. Also, the Nevermind album by Nirvana. Get that grunge grunge rock in there as well. Classic 90s. Um, And then the last one might kind of throw you off. I would do the Camp album by Childish Gambino. If you know who Childish Gambino is. Yes, yes. Okay. Trey is very excited about that choice. I love Childish Gambino. That's what I listen to every day in the gym. And I got to go to one of his concerts and sit in the sixth row. And like, he is a phenomenal performer. Like, I mean, I love his music. I think he's a lyrical genius. I love his music. But seeing him perform it is just that much better. So good. Camp's the second one. Is that correct? 
I think, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was an early one. Um, I, I'm trying to think, does camp have heartbeat on it I or was, was camp after that? You're in my head. I was listening to heartbeat <laughs> on the way over here. I've been whistling around the halls today. I That's listened so to crazy. it last night. It came it's up so on good. my um, Amazon thing. I'm not going to say the A word because she's listening, but all of a sudden I was like, I haven't heard this song in years, but that heartbeat was the first song of his that I heard. And I was like, Ooh, I love this. So, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Nirvana, Google dolls and childish Gambino that I think new earth is in good hands already. Sure. Yes, yeah, so. I agree. That's great. Okay. And lastly, any, um, any kind of general life advice you want to give? So work hard, stay humble. That's like my biggest catchphrase. I have it as the lock screen on my phone. I actually have it, um, framed in my office to me that just embodies everything that I want to be. I'm a hard worker. Uh, but I think the more you work hard and start to achieve success, it gets very easy to no longer be humble. And I think that that's important. So that's just something that I repeat to myself constantly. And then also being pessimistic doesn't make anything better. So anyone who watches my YouTube videos, I always end with put your positive pants on. And I am a very positive person now, but I haven't always been. Um, when I was back in high school, I struggled a lot with being extremely pessimistic. And over time, I've realized, and when you actually sit down and think about it, it's like, when has being pessimistic ever made anything better? It doesn't. It doesn't solve the problems. It just creates more. So I think anything can be viewed with a positive mindset if you choose to view it that way. And it, I think you know, being optimistic is a choice. And I think it's a choice that makes your life better in so many ways. Um, well, I am pleased to announce that I am in fact wearing my positive pants today. So um, yes. And I, I love that you sign off on your YouTube videos with that. Um, and you're right. Like, yeah, we need, we need problem solvers. And so to do that, we, we need to be in the right frame of mind mentally. Um, and, and I think too, the, the stay humble, that really spoke to me too, because someone mm -hmm. told me humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And mm -hmm. as I think all four people on the Zoom call are leaders in one way or another, and to think of the people that we lead and the people that we serve and go forth and do good for them. So uh, Trey, any closing thoughts? No, that's awesome. I mean, other than my, unfortunately, my, my, positive pants from the cleaners, but I got my sure thing shorts on. As long anything? as there's no Crocs, we're good. No Crocs. <laughs> my can-do Crocs. Can-do Crocs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, we really, really had a blast recording with you and the very best to you and um, have a great day. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Bolt Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bolt Pod for episode updates or reach out to us at thebolt at trinitybasin.net. As always, do more, expect more, and be more. What? 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 It's back. All right, Mr. Trey, you ready to roll? I believe so. I'm trying to find the Google sheet. Sorry, guys. It's a Google Doc. Google sheet is a spreadsheet. Feels like that's an interesting way to store questions. <laughs> yeah.